You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with the wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. In the name of God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Good morning, church. You can have a seat. Have you ever tried to share your faith with someone and look like a total idiot while doing it? Like, I, I don't have as many hands to raise. Of, yes, this is totally me. Have you ever been too intimidated to go to someone and even talk about Jesus? Like, I can't even, I can't even do it. Have you ever felt pressure in a church to go do that? And if you're not doing it, you're not being a good Christian and you're terrible. Felt the shame of that before? Okay. We're all on the same page, all on the same team here. So many, maybe this is relieving to you. So many times in my life, I have um, had opportunities to share my faith with people and totally biffed it. Just horrible. Thinking to myself, Do, am I even a Christian? <laughs> you know, this should be easier, right? Well, I, uh, when I was an undergraduate, some of you may not know that before, like priest life, I was actually a, an engineer at Hewlett Packard and my undergraduate was in engineering. And so I went to school in my undergrad, shoulder to shoulder with way smarter people than myself. Like I shouldn't have been there, you know, kind of thing. And these people and I, we would have the most interesting conversations, not about engineering, but about philosophy and theology and life. And so often in the lab or in class or studying, I would just feel utterly stumped, like a total idiot, lost. Like, do I even believe and know these answers for myself? They would ask such difficult questions that I would feel so embarrassed in that moment. Man, I I should go and like, I should know this. I should probably go study. Especially when the, the point of the story, when you're sharing your faith with someone and it gets around to the point of like, oh yeah, and we believe that a Jewish man 2,000 years ago was raised from the dead too. Like that really seals the deal. People look at you like, are you nuts? Have anybody felt that way before? No, just me, all right. Well, in a lot of ways in my undergraduate time, those questions, they, they put some pressure on me. It was good pressure. I probably dug more into theology and philosophy than I did in engineering sometimes because of these conversations. I don't know why, but they, those things just kind of found me. Maybe there's something in me that just like starts those kind of conversations, but I just constantly found myself in those years having those kinds of conversations. And those questions, they drove me, even that, that feeling of like, ah, oh, I've just ruined that. It drove me to study and to a deeper understanding of theology and what I believed about Jesus. I just felt like so often I wanted my friends to just see him. I don't know what the words are to say, but if I could just get you to see Jesus, we wouldn't have these debates. I just need you to see who he is. Now, to be clear, our faith is among the most intellectually responsible and thoughtful and like sensible philosophy of life on the planet. It holds up to the pressure. There are answers, actually. And so just to like put a note on that, we act, there is really good defense of the faith. Actually, I don't think there's any other faith that, has, faith that has like some reasonable defense like we do, like really good reasons. So I don't mean to knock that at all. It stands that scrutiny. It has for, the, for all these ages it has, and it will continue to do so. But I was going about faith looking to win this like checkmate moment with my friends and going about it 
all the wrong way. And the fruit in these conversations was showing me that. I was missing so oftentimes the reason that people were asking the questions in the first place. It wasn't really about the Virgin Mary giving birth. It wasn't about some doctrine or theology. It was actually always something way more personal. And I thought, man, if I could just convince them intellectually, they might believe. I took that bait so much. I'm convinced that this, this thing that we see in our readings today, if we can get a hold of, it will actually totally change the way that we share about Jesus, the way we talk about the gospel. And for those of you who are like, I'm not sure if I can share the faith, I think if you get a hold of what I'm going to share with you this morning, I think you can. It's really, really simple. It's really compelling, and it's really beautiful, and you got to know it for yourself. Let me show you what I mean. Let's look at our readings from Mark 1. Jesus is leaving the synagogue, okay? He comes to Simon's mother-in-law, Simon Peter's mother-in-law, who had a fever, and Jesus heals this mother-in-law of a fever, how the story goes. The same evening, the sick and the lamed, the possessed, like basically like bring out your dead kind of moment started happening here in this town. The whole city was at the doorway where Jesus was healing. Now check this out. Mark 1 verse 35 says this. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up, went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions, they looked for him, they found him, and they said to him, everyone's searching for you, Jesus. Don't you know? And he said, let's go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came to do. And he went throughout Galilee proclaiming the message in their synagogue and casting out demons. Jesus came to proclaim the news of what God is doing. And all day, you know what that looked like? It didn't look like an intellectual debate, did it? Why was the town gathered at his door? Because he was like brilliant and he was. Why were they there? Because Jesus was proclaiming the gospel and it looked like healing. That's what it looks like. Is that his message? Healing? It's got to be more complicated than that, right? The whole time Jesus is casting out demons and curing things like fevers, he's saying something. He's actually announcing a new way of things, right? He's saying something. Another way to ask all of this is, what does a mother-in-law's fever have to do with the gospel? Why is that even an important detail to throw in scriptures right in the middle of the narrative? Have you not known, Rez? Have you not heard? Isaiah writes to us, the Lord gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is what the Lord does. Jesus is doing this and proclaiming this message and it looks like healing. You notice how in, this, in, the, in the gospel passage, he says, let's go to these other towns and proclaim the gospel, this message also, like he's been doing that already. Do you see that? Everything that he's been doing isn't just some sideshow to the announcement of the gospel. It's what it looks like when the gospel's taking root in people's lives. Healing. Coming near Jesus and being healed by him is what the gospel looks like. It sounds like Hope, that's how you can recognize when the gospel is being proclaimed. You hear hope. 
It looks like healing. It feels, maybe at first, like judgment, but actually comfort. For the downcast, it feels like relief. That's what the gospel looks and feels and sounds like. And for those who oppose this announcement of the way God is doing things, setting the world right through Jesus, which is the gospel, those who stand up against that, you know what it sounds like? You know what it feels like? It feels like opposition. It feels like you're being trampled on because no one is going to stand in the way of what God's doing to bring about his healing. For those who oppose him, it sounds like terrible news. It's actually not news, good news at all. It's total judgment. But for those who are weak, it sounds like healing. Isn't that a different way of sharing the gospel altogether? Think of your friends that you think, oh, I can't share the gospel with them. Do they need healing? Do they need encouragement? Do they need comfort? Do they need hope? Because that's what the gospel message is all about. And you know you're doing it right when your friends hear and feel and see healing, hope, and comfort. You know you're on the right track. In college, I realized that people really didn't want to debate about the doctrine of the Trinity or something. Super important. Let's, and that should be talked about. And we do that, right? And I debated it anyways. You know, I learned a ton about it. I learned that I don't know a lot about God. But I, but I know that this debate wasn't really about this like intellectual chess over doctrine. It was way more personal than that. People that would come to me, my student, or my, my co-student, uh, what do you call them, colleagues, my classmates would come to me. It wasn't ever really about doctrine. It was something always, always way more personal. Does God hate me? Why did God let this bad thing happen to me? My life sucks. How can there be a God? Why doesn't God help me? If he's there, why doesn't he help me with this situation? And if we're honest, when our friends ask us those questions, if we're really honest, we can say, you know, I have those questions too, right? We have those questions too. Life can be so stinking tough. Things can be so hard. There's so much pain and loss and loneliness and frustration in our world, and in our own lives, personally, in our own families. Those things seem to just circle us constantly. Your friends are being circled by them too. And I'm not just talking about the circumstances in our life. Man, if, you know, we wouldn't need to be talking about this if, like, I had this career, or I was with this person, or things just kind of worked in my favor, and I had good fortune. Like, we don't need the gospel. I'm not talking about the circumstances of life, the highs and lows of our week or our month. Jesus is concerned with all of that, yeah but he's actually coming to heal something way deeper than the surface circumstances of our lives. He's coming to touch the deepest, darkest, most broken parts of us. That's what he's concerned with. Sometimes those debates about doctrine or politics or whatever it is can just be total distractions. It's our way of going, look over here, look over here, just don't look right here. I know this so well because I do this too. Jesus comes to touch those darkest and most broken parts of us. That part of us that delights in doing evil, we wouldn't say it like that, but that's what it is. That part in us that takes pleasure in something really wrong, 
that entertains it even in our imagination, that part of us that would rather and really conveniently forget God like he doesn't see us so we can get this thing done over here, that part of us that compromises that in the moment, that part of us, that inner part of us that's so terrified that our deepest needs won't be met because there's not going to be enough for us. That part of us that wants to whip up drama in other people's lives just to distract us with dealing with our own hurt and our own pain and that own, our own darkness that's rotting within us. Friends, if we are like real sobered up and we're looking in the mirror and we're honest, I think we, would, we could admit, man, we are a screwed up and lost people. We're like really broken. We're a people, <laughs> Sean, this is not very uplifting. I'm getting there. We are a people who cannot heal themselves. We can't be our own physician. This is going to be an uncomfortable little chat for a second. There's good news here. But so often we jump over this piece thinking we can just talk about the good news and, and we actually don't ever deal with the disease. So let's just look at it. And here comes Lent, so it'll be a little bit <laughs> coming ahead. There's no amount of self-help that can heal this in us. There's, I mean, I don't care how well you know your Enneagram. It's not going to heal this part of you. No amount of vomiting publicly for the sake of transparency or just kind of speaking your mind on social media is going to fix this part of you. No romantic relationship. No self-justifying explanation. If I can just get these people to buy this, then I'll be okay. That's not going to work either. And I'm not knocking therapy, but no amount of therapy will replace our need to admit that we are the ones who need healing. In fact, good therapy will lead us to that realization, I need help, I need healing. And that's not that special, we're all in need of healing. And here's the good news, we're not in a world in which there's no one to heal us. There is one who heals. And he's not even stingy with his healing, he's, he's eager to give healing. This is why it's good news is because people realize, man, things are messed up and I need help and I need healing. This part of me has to be, be touched by someone other than myself that can fix it. There is a one who is willing to touch you, to heal you, to bring the forgiveness of sins in your life. And it is God himself, your heavenly father. And he's so eager to do that. Praise the Lord. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. The Lord lifts up the downtrodden. He casts the wicked to the ground. His delight is not in the strength of the horse nor the pleasure in the speed of a run, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Praise the Lord. Psalm 147. This is such good news. This is what scripture tells us about who God actually is and what he wants to do with us. Do you remember in Luke 4 when Jesus began his ministry, he stood up in the synagogue, he took the scroll of Isaiah, and he began to read, and what he was announcing, he applied to himself. You know what he said? The time has come. This is the year of the Lord's favor. Captives are going to be set free. The blind are going to be healed. He went through this entire litany of all the amazing things that God is doing to bring healing to his people. And then he said, the scriptures are being fulfilled in your hearing. I'm the one that's going to bring this about. 
I have come to heal you. I have come to set you free. I've come to bring renewal. This is the same news. You could see this thread through scripture, through the apostle Paul in our reading from 1 Corinthians. Paul is, look, I'm not gonna boast about anything else other than this news. In fact, for this news of God's healing, I'm gonna put aside all other rights and privileges, Paul says, in order to share this good news of God's healing. Whatever it's gonna take, I become all things to all people that I might by all means save some. I do it for the sake of the gospel so that I may share in its blessing. What did Paul see in sharing the gospel that was so compelling to forsake all of his privileges and his status and his rights and just to become whatever it took to win these people to be healed? What did he see? Do you think he was thinking about which political side he needed to stand on? Or do you think he was thinking about where his family had come from? Do you think he was thinking about intellectually, how is this gonna work philosophically? Do you think he was thinking, I don't wanna look like a fool in front of other people? We know for a fact that Paul knew he looked like a fool. And yet, he didn't wanna miss out on the blessing of sharing this news with someone that they too would be healed. Man, if we could become a people who are so compelled by this news that it has so touched us that Jesus has reached into our lives and healed us and forgiven our sin. If we could become a people who know that so well, that sharing the gospel is actually not some intimidating, crazy thing, but is actually a testimony of the way that Jesus has healed you and the, and the news that Jesus comes to heal your friends as well. Isn't that simple? Maybe it is still a little intimidating, but... You don't have to be a scholar to do that. Rez, we're also a church that needs healing. We find ourselves in a moment where we're like, we need some healing. Many of you know some of the challenges we've faced recently with staff transition. Man, that's been super tough. We need healing. Especially when it's people we love saying goodbye to leaders. Man, that's downright painful. And it's What's good about this morning and coming in the Lord's presence is he is so eager to acknowledge our pain and to bring healing to us, even over time. Still others among us, maybe you guys are like, I have no idea what Sean's talking about. That's all right. Others of us in this room, we've walked into this room with stuff going on in our lives that's so burdensome, super painful. There are people sitting right beside you to your left and to your right who are living in hell in every practical way. There's such pain among us. I want you to hear this, if this is you. Jesus comes to labor with you. You're not alone. That sin in you that hides, that kicks and screams and doesn't want to come out, Jesus comes to heal that. The pride that assures you even now that you don't need healing. Sean's talking to somebody else. You know who should really hear this sermon? That this other person that I know? Jesus comes to soften you, to humble you, and bring you under his care. May we hear that news, receive that comfort and that healing in the forgiveness of sins when we come and lay it all before him at his feet this morning. May we truly be a people who receive the gospel in this way. God comes to heal, and he does so quickly through his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
during communion, um, I'm gonna invite all of us. Um, There's a healing Sunday, and so I'll come to the center. If there's something that's on your heart that you wanna ask God for healing for, um, I'm gonna invite you to come forward, and you can either be in a line or wait till the line clears up and come forward. But we're gonna just be singing music together. There's gonna be folks praying for you in the back, and I'm gonna come to the front to invite you to healing. From now until that point, I wanna ask you, will you just ask the Lord, what do, what do I need healing from? What's that thing that I need you to touch this morning, Jesus? Let's take a moment right now to be quiet and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.